Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall. As I interview leaders in the industry, we'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. The first bonus episode. It is the Thanksgiving month, and this is a gift for you listeners uh, to hear about a subject that, you know, we cannot live without activewear. <laughs> I am doing an interview today with Lexi Sucra, creative director and owner of Dob and Design. We live in our athletic wear, athleisure, leggings, bandex, whatever you want to call it. If it's stretchy, if it's comfortable, us bar babes are rocking it. And not even just rocking it in our classes, we're most likely living in our workout clothes, if you'd like to say, all day long, doing our errands, grocery shopping, doing our work at home, picking up the kids, you name it. We are in our superhero gear. Now, what I love about Lexi and Dobbin Design so much is that they're really grounded in their values. They have set such a foundation on these values to grow the business into an amazing company that is celebrating its 10th anniversary. I first fell in love with Dobbin Design when I saw their signature Adriana leggings at Momentum Fest two years ago. One leg is solid black and one leg is tie-dye. They are amazing. I love them. I was drawn right to them. And at the time, I definitely couldn't put my finger on why. But as you hear us talk, you will hear these guideposts and these values come up. And I was this is why I love them. And now I love them even more. So I'm excited to share with you how these pieces that are handmade, handcrafted to really showcase individuality in each fabric, in each process, and in you. And I really do believe that's what attracted me to Dobbin Design. Not only for the nostalgia of the tie-dye that makes you feel home, like comfort, like a kid again, playful. I love that tie-dye. But I also found out how sustainable this process is, which I was even more excited to find out about because it spoke to my own values. So I cannot wait for you to hear Lexi. And All right, welcome back, listeners. I'm here today with Lexi Sukareff creative director and owner of Dob and Design. Welcome, Lexi. (laughs) Hi. I'm so excited for this bonus episode because I know everyone listening practically lives in their leggings. So this is a special treat and kind of behind the scenes for all of us. (laughs) Um, I'm excited to join you. Yeah. Um, So we met a few years ago at Momentum Fest. I'm so excited to connect with you again today. I love wearing your stuff. But can you tell the listeners uh, what Dobbin Design is or a little bit more about your brand? Sure, of course. Um, so Dobbin is a line of activewear and sustainable basics. And we're based out of Vancouver, Canada. 
Um, and we basically design activewear and regular items um, that are designed to embody and showcase the uniqueness of each of our individual clients. Um, we're known for our hand-dyed pieces, which is what my background is, and also our exclusive prints. And just the fact that all of our uh, basics are ridiculously soft and uber wearable. They are ridiculously soft. And when you say wearable, like it sounds so like, well, duh, it should all be wearable. But (laughs) for me and my listeners who, again, live in this stuff, that is not the case (laughs) with a lot of brands, which is so surprising. And we'll talk a little bit more about um, your you know, like your process a little bit later, but in your background, being an artist, you know, in fabrics and textiles, like it's, that piece of it is so unknowingly important when you start like learn more about activewear or even just clothing or wearable pieces. (laughs) Well, I think like the term wearable, like it, it applies to everything from like quality to the the actual money that you're spending on it to comfort, Mm -hmm. um, to everything. Like it, wearability is, is huge and making sure a product lasts. And for, for me, it's about comfort a lot of the times. Like I want to make sure I can wear this all day long. Like I'm busy. I don't have time to change my outfit 10 times a day. And I know I'm assuming that most of your listeners are, are the same, you know, and we want to be able to go from Pilates class to grocery shopping. If we have to, to go pick up the kids to mm-hmm. running around, you know, like. No, it's, it's so true. I mean, the day I remember being in college, um, and the trend of wearing leggings was really just happening where it was like people were wearing them outside of the gym or outside of a class. And I was a dancer in college and I'm like, why the heck would anyone want to wear this garbage like all day long? Like I could not wait to rip my spandex off of me. That sounds really racy, but it was just like, I was like in it all day. And let me tell you, the fabrics and the wearability was not quite there at the time, right? It was just in that beginning of this athleisure trend. And I would say it was even like five years off at that point. But yeah, it, I, when that point happened where you could wear your leggings, throw a cute top on and go about your day. If I'm teaching, I will not switch into a pair of jeans. I will not wear what I call real normal people clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will just stay in my, my, my comfortable leggings. Like that'll just be what I'm wearing. Well, and I think like there, that's something to note too, is like the advances in fibers and knitting and processes have like skyrocketed as, as all the mills try to kind of catch up with, demands and and what people want so yeah uh, change if there's no demand for it like I totally understand that and so the more demand the better quality products we get which is hooray for all of us Um, but this year is a big year for you guys you're celebrating your 10th anniversary I know Um, and so kind of bringing you back a little bit, go back to the beginning. Um, you started with swimwear, which I think is so fascinating knowing your brand now. I'm like, really swimmer. It seems like so opposite, but then obviously getting to know what you do, it's not quite opposite. Um, so what was your vision for your company when you first started? 
Well, when I first started, I, um, I had just graduated from university and I studied textiles and fine art there. And my idea was just to just start experimenting. Like I had this knowledge and I've always loved swimwear. I mean, it was a huge part of my life growing up. And, um, I think I thought it would be easy, maybe, or maybe not easy, but I could see a connection between making it and my life and, and all this. And also like swimwear, what I was using was nylon mm-hmm. and it's, you can dye it in a way where you exhaust the dye bath. And so less chemicals are going down the drain. Um, it soaks up all the color. So I felt good about that. And you can get these really cool patterns. Um, if you adjust the amount of water or if you adjust the amount of, um, fixatives, everything. So I love the process. And, um, I had also just found this space and I fell in love with it. It was in Gastown which is like a historic area in Vancouver. And I fell in love with the space and I was super inspired by the high ceilings, the huge windows and the feeling of the space. And I just wanted to be in that space. Kind of had like this romantic, Mm -hmm. like I was starting my career kind of thing. And like, I loved it. It was, it was beautiful. But um, that working girl moment was that you take (laughs) Staten Island Ferry and you see the Statue of Liberty. I totally had that about like New York city. Like you just driving up, you see the skyline. You're like, Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) I remember the first time I went to New York, I was probably in like grade 10 and we went on a, like a fashion design field trip. I was lucky enough to take fashion design in, in high school. We had an amazing program and I remember just being so inspired. And I mean, anytime you go to New York, I think many people can agree with this. Like just that feeling as soon as you like get off the plane and the buzz of the city and everything. So um, definitely inspiring. So Yeah. And I, I do really think like, you know, people say like you dress the part to, you know, to you know, have a certain feeling, but I think like how you surround your space, like if you're in a cramped cluttered space, it's not as inspiring as, you know, having the huge windows and having a vision for that is good. Or even if you can't be there in the very beginning, but saying to yourself, like, I want to be in a light, airy space and I want big windows or I want a view or I, you know, I want want, like wood floors or being able to visualize that I think is important for your day-to-day work. So you do feel like you're going into an inspiring space that you can be creative, especially as a creative person. Um, I think all of that really matters uh even though totally. it doesn't seem like it plays a huge role but it totally can <laughs> but I mean I think that the power of visualization is huge in general like just to believe that you can be doing something like whether or not you're visualizing that you can run that marathon or mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. see yourself crossing the finish line or you see yourself in a space or whatever your end goal is like if you can see that you can get there Absolutely. I mean, as a gymnast and even as a dancer, uh, I had, you know, coaches and professors that part of our rehearsal would be visualization where you're sitting there with your eyes closed Mm -hmm. and you have to visualize your entire routine, your entire performance to perfection. And you start over every time you fall out of something. So if like I was doing a backflip, if I 
fumbled in my visualization. I had to start from the beginning, get it perfect in my mind so I can insert myself into that space in real life. You know, I could hit it if I pictured it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, not just for athletes or artists or performing artists or even writers, I think that's ex- it can ex- exactly translate to work life. You know, do you, we hear like the, oh, I don't want to work in a cubicle. Well, that's gone now. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, what kind of space do you, do you want to be in? And I think a lot of times, too, when people are thinking about what they want to quote unquote do for their lives and then they get there and they're like, oh, it wasn't what I expected. You know, maybe these are some good questions to ask. Like, you know, for our cases in this podcast, like if you are an instructor and you are like, I, you know, I want to be an instructor. This is great. And then you show up and you're like, oh my God, there's like 30 people in this room and it's so stressful and it's dark and the music is so loud. But there are other studios out there that where it's smaller classes, maybe it's brighter and lighter. So I think it's important to maybe do even some research on that of like what is out there, what is possible, and then what could you possibly change about your own situation to, yeah, keep that fire burning. We got to work, we got to do something. <laughs> and I think totally. if we are creative in it and we're doing something that's our passion, it helps fuel that fire longer and more sustainable. Totally. And I think like you kind of touched on a point there um, about change and the only person that can make change in your life is you. And I think recognizing that no matter what, what you're doing in life or how you came to this podcast, but you know, like if you want to get back into fitness or if you want to get your bookkeeping in order, or if you want to have a better relationship with your parents or, or whatnot, like you have to make those changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important like realization. Uh, no one else is going to do it for you. No one's going to do anything for you. <laughs> As an entrepreneur, two entrepreneurs, no one's yeah. going to do anything for you. You can ask for help and you can definitely get guidance and mentorship. Um, so, I know you, and you can delegate. And but yes. you still need to ultimately put that in action. Yeah. Now, I know you had mentioned to me in past about having, you know, an internship and you were with a Korean designer at the university or after, and that's kind of when you got into dyes. Am I correct? Like, what was that process for you? Like, what about the process? Because we've mentioned it a few times. So, really spoke to you. So one thing I'll just like backtrack there because I actually started dyeing stuff, oh, fabric, I should say. <laughs> Let me just read that. Um, I'll just backtrack there because actually when I started dyeing fabric, it was actually in high school and mm-hmm. I took some summer classes with a woman um, who had worked for years in the textile industry and she taught me how to silkscreen and do immersion dyeing and all that. And I was so fascinated because I was taking these fashion design classes in high school and we had a CAD program. We were learning pattern drafting. It wasn't just like a sewing class. It was, Mm. it was awesome. It was so inspiring, but everybody had the same fabrics. And I was like, that's cool. But 
like I can design whatever I want, but I wanted my own fabrics. And so I took these classes um, and this woman has been amazing. She's inspired me for years. And I do really credit those moments because I was so young and impressionable. And Mm -hmm. I remember just like seeing how the color went from like a liquid (laughs) into this, like you pour it on the, the fabric and you wait and then you pull it out. And it was the, these incredible patterns and Mm. there's something emotional about them. I I can't explain it. And I see it when, when people see our, like we have the Adriana legging and that's our original hand dyed and that's our signature look. And especially with the limited editions, which are a two-step process, like I dye one leg black and then I do like a multicolor on the other side. Mm -hmm. Like there's these incredible, like there's, diamonds there's floral there's every like Mm. they're not diamonds and they're not floral but they elicit these um like shapes and it is very emotional when I see people like they kind of flip through the rack and they're like oh this one this is the one for me and then they'll see that it's their size and they're so happy or they see it's not their size like don't you have this in my size I'm like no I don't I'm so sorry they're all one of a kind but a lot of the time that's so I think special. I, like it, it like, it's almost like what attracts that person to that visual in the pattern is them, you know, like they're almost like seeing themselves in there's something that like nostalgic process. or something. Mm. And it's the way the colors blend together and the balance. And like I would love to know from like um like what happens if you could put like a sensor on someone's brain. Mm. And you know how like the um different areas of your brain will light up like right. like what happens like I would love to see that oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know I if that would work <laughs> <laughs> like you could need to go to like a trade show and be like please wear this before you open your eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's also yeah and it's that like untouchable untangible you know je ne sais quoi of like what you like as a person you know like being more apt to like lighter colors or darker colors, like something so simple and that, yeah, that perfect blend for that person. Like, what is that? And then maybe not. Well, and sometimes it surprises them too. They'll be like, I don't even like this color, but I love this piece. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm like, and I can see it happening from like, you know, just observing them. I can see what's happening. And like, I love it. I love watching it. I love that relationship. And then when people wear them, they're like, I feel amazing. And, and they're like, they don't fade. They don't pill. They're great. I've had them for a few years. Like, awesome. So, um, yeah. And that was the first product um, that we really kind of expanded on and and really went with. That's the Adriana legging. And then we moved into active a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about, like, that change from swimwear to active wear. So I would say we... We went from swim and I was experimenting because I, like I knew that we needed other pieces. I mean, swim for one is very seasonal. Um, and in, in the end, it, it was extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy to run a swimwear line. Um, but so I had moved into hosiery, which is where I originally came up with the signature one like black, one like tie dye aesthetic. But very quickly, people were asking me if they could wear them for yoga. And I was like, please don't wear these for yoga. 
their hosiery, but let me see what I can do. And so then we moved <laughs> into the Adriana legging, which is part of like the originals or the hand dyed pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the website that kind of falls into the category of Dobbin design. And then in 2016, we started the actual active line, which was great. That's the wider waistband, the prints, some solids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it kind of came from a place like, yes, we needed new products. We were having customers request them. And also, like, I just wanted to keep learning. Like, uh, by then I had dyed many, many pairs of the, like, I say same leggings, but they're never the same. But I, I knew the process inside and out. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to continue challenging myself. And, yeah, so we started the active line. And that added a whole nother level of it's amazing challenges and what outside eyes can do for your business right of like something that you didn't maybe see before or maybe it was there and you you know you were doing the hosiery and then people are saying oh I want to wear these like class or to yoga and you're like no 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 you know so it kind of gear you know change gears for you a little bit but in a natural progression way yeah and I I just I love hearing that kind of feedback of like oh like what truly is it that you see in this brand and like what speaks to you and sometimes it's like yes yes we're we're doing that and I'm so excited that you see that and then sometimes like oh I didn't really realize that was the most important thing to maybe somebody or it was like what they were was speaking to them in that moment I know for bar variations, you know, I always say it, it says it on the website in my mission statement about being a resource hub, you know, that's different than just being a training, just being a method or just being another on-demand platform. Like you can come here and get resources to grow your business, to grow yourself as a teacher and a little bit less of the focus on like checking the box of just getting like CECs. Right. So it, I, that was something that recently, like someone was like, yeah, I love the resources. And I'm like, like hit me in the head. I'm like, yes, more of that. Like, you know, so it, <laughs> I love those moments when other people say things that you're like, yeah, okay. Yes. Doing that. <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think um, your clients and colleagues and everyone in between, they, often have suggestions. And mm-hmm. I think you, you do have to pay attention. If you hear something a number of times, there's probably a demand for it. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of being an entrepreneur though, too, is understanding your capabilities, understanding your limitations, mm-hmm. and also just going with your gut. Like I, I've had many people tell us we should do tennis skirts and I'm like, oh. we're not making a tennis skirt. Like I just, it's not on brand. And like, honestly, I don't, I mean, there's other brands that do it and it's fantastic. There's, and lots of people play tennis and that's awesome. But at this point in my career, and maybe I'll be eating my words in a couple of years, who knows, but that's just not what we're doing. And that's cool. Yeah. But, I think there's also like, I kind of what you said before about, uh, you know, making that change. It's also okay to be like, no, I don't want to make that change and I'm leaving that behind or I'm letting go of that. Cause a lot of times it's like, okay, I just got to change. And sometimes, you know, the extreme of that is changing so much that you lose sight of your own 
vision. And it's important to say like, no, we don't do that. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. And it's totally okay. But it's, you know, the, you know, the leggings, if it was, it, it aligned with what your vision was, it spoke to you for whatever reason. And so it was an easy progression, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and even like with different styles of the leggings now, like we have a pocket legging because everyone just kept being like, can you put a pocket in them? You know what? Yes. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> like, let's do it. I'm working into the design. Make it special. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I want a pocket too. Absolutely. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go running. I love this. <laughs> like, all of the pockets all yeah. the time, right? And being an entrepreneur, it it really is filled with a lot of inspiration and imagination, but it's also filled with a lot of grit and lots of hard, hard work. And we, you just kind of touched upon this about um, knowing your strengths and delegating. And can you share like what it's been like growing job from a solo venture to where you are 10 years later and hopefully <laughs> beyond, beyond whenever anyone is listening to this? <laughs> um, you know, it has been a, a journey to say the least, there's been so many exciting moments. There has been a ton of growth. There's been a lot of uphill learning. There's a lot of gradual learning, um, pivoting. I mean, especially this year, there's been tears and there has been everything in between and like, and a lot of smiles. And like, I, I don't know, like, I love what I do, no matter what I still enjoy it. And so yes, it's a lot of work, but for me, like, you know, I wake up and I, I know what I want to do today and often I can't get it all done. Like, there's so many things, but I don't know. I think, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, I think exactly like when you align with something, when you, it, when it just hits all the marks for you, those hard times you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know it's hard and you know you have to be in it. And if you don't love it, that's when you have to like let it go. But- totally. And there's been moments where, like not many, but I have been like, do I really want to do this? Yeah, that's so, and- I think everybody has that. And if you don't, it would be very surprising. But I think, I think a, a large part of it, and what's always helped me is to like step away for a moment give myself some clarity and really look at it. And it's often not, well, it's never actually the business that I don't like. It's something in it that needs to be adjusted or it needs to be approached in a different way. Maybe we've outgrown the process. Mm. Maybe I'm bored. Maybe I'm Mm -hmm. at a blockage. And so being an entrepreneur is so much about problem solving and, um, and growth. I mean, you have to keep growing. And I know I keep saying that, but, um, you know, also hiring, asking for help. Um, like I know you and I have mentioned it before, but like burnout is a real thing Mm -hmm. and it shows itself in different ways. And I think, I think a lot of people can relate to it, whether they're an entrepreneur or not, like it, it affects your sleep, it affects your weight, it can affect your digestive system. It affects your mood, all of these things. And so you really have to keep an eye on, on what's going on. And are you operating at a level that is sustainable? And if it's not pulling back and 
figuring out a way to make it sustainable. And maybe that means less growth, or maybe it means hiring somebody. Maybe it means asking your spouse for, for more help. Um, there's so many different ways to manage everything. Maybe it means meal prep. You know what I mean? Less screen time. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know like you have done a lot of trade shows and conventions and I also have been down that path. And, you know, when we were talking prior to this podcast, like stuff like that, like for me, it's always been kind of my struggle to try not to keep up. Like I, my ego wants to be where everyone is, do all of the things. Here's what the industry is doing. And I, I want to experience them all. I'm somebody that wants to try everything and maybe even at my own expense. And, you know, some pivots and far variations. I went from teaching every month somewhere new to solely online for the moment. And I'm not sure I want to go back to the traveling all, <laughs> you know, I am not, I'm not making any final statements. This is just, I've realized that I can serve my audience better online at the moment. And, you know, maybe you can kind of like share maybe your thoughts on like, you know, you get into a business or a certain industry and there's certain standards or there's certain expectations. I say not even standards, certain expectations. Um, and I'm sure one of, you know, the things for you are, are these conventions, are these shows? And can you share a little bit of your experience of that kind of hustle and then maybe how you're viewing it now? If since, I mean, I hate saying this, but this is the world we live in, but since things have changed, right? But I think for the better for a lot of us that we don't have to necessarily meet these old expectations of like, oh, well, if you don't show up at this event, you're a nobody or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've never really felt it in that sense. Cause I think you and I are doing different um, things where I think you're more of a speaker and we're more of a, a brand and I'm mm-hmm. on the sales floor with sometimes like 800 other vendors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I mean, at one point I, was doing like 30 or 40 shows a year. And like, for me, I mean, that's a lot of travel. That's a lot of setup. It's a lot of hauling suitcases and bins and like it's hotels, it's flights, it's exhausting. And it's a lot of being on. And I think when I first started, it was all very exciting. And I, I actually used the shows to travel and see a lot of Canada and the U S um, which I loved And at the same time I was promoting my brand and like, it was such like this beautiful um, coming together of, of all the things I loved, but eventually that just, it, it does get really tiring and it's hard. Like my partner lives here. I'm on the road. It's Mm -hmm. definitely been challenging to keep up with friends, my family. Um, And this year, like I, I haven't, traveled at all and it's been wonderful like my house is getting some love my plants are blossoming like (laughs) I feel like you know like I'm able to create these routines that I've wanted and I've always said I would do and go to the gym three times a week or read a book or you know just take time for me and it's really hard to do that when you're on the road all the time and 
Um, I, I definitely learned to manage the crazy, but it, it was a lot. And, um, yeah. Well, I think you hit on like a good point. Like we're talking about growth and like growth can mean so many different things and like cultivating your space, your home base and whatever that is can be even more important than spreading yourself out in further reaches. And we just, we live in a time where we can be virtual. We can show up to events virtually now more comfortably. Not that this wasn't happening before. It for sure was happening before 2020, but now it's mainstream. Let's just put it that way. Now everybody's doing it. And what better home lives we can have that, yeah, our plants are growing. We're feeding ourselves better. We're getting the sleep that we need. We're able to think clearly and not you know, be in a fog or feeling like we need to hustle in order to keep... I'll I'll just interrupt you there because people who are listening to this and if they're still, if they haven't quite adjusted, these these things take time. They do not happen overnight. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are struggling with everything. And I say like, oh yes, my plants are doing well and everything, but there's still, and I'm sure you feel it too, many challenges that we're still negotiating. And that's part of life. And it's this is also just a very new way of doing everything for everyone. Yeah, um, and, and it's okay to like sit in it. I'm always somebody that, you know, like I said before, like needs to experience something. Like I am, you know, I had a baby this year and it was, everyone was like, I'm broadcasting from my one bedroom apartment with a husband and a baby in the middle of a pandemic. Like that stuff can really take a toll mentally. And you know, I sit in things and I have to like get real uncomfortable before I make that change. And, you know, we're talking to the listeners with years of experience. You know, your company is 10 years old this year. You know, I've been doing bar variations for a while now. And even before that, you know, in, in the biz for 10 plus 12 years at this point. And yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think what we've learned and I'm going to say the collective we is taking time, taking time to be set in your values, in your vision and take time to cultivate those things. And that foundation, because hard times are going to come up. Right. And then it's like, how do we know if we want to change? Well, if it doesn't, if you don't know where you're coming from, you might not know where you're going. Um, And it's not easy. And it's, uh, a very hard time. And I agree with you. It's not something to just kind of like brush past it. You know, speaking of the fitness industry, it's been totally like demolished in New York city. It's really, really depressing to see so many people close their businesses and have to make a pivot. They, they never wanted to make, um, but people are resilient totally. and as much as this is awful. Mm-hmm. And it's, my heart goes out to anybody who has been struggling or has had to close their business because th- those are dreams and those are communities and it's a lot of work. And I have so much respect for anybody who has put the time in, but people come back and this is a once in a lifetime, hopefully yeah. chance to really pick and choose what you want in your life mm-hmm. and what's important. And 
do we need to be teaching, I don't know, 30 classes a week? I don't know how many classes. Well, yeah. I mean, well, that's very, I mean, what if you taught eight in person or seven in person that really fueled you and you loved it and they helped in your growth and the rest of the time you could teach online Mm -hmm. and meet people that way. And then that meant that you could be at home with your baby and your husband and maybe like I'm hoping that we're able to pick and choose what our, what our most valued relationships are. Like I, I do still want to do some shows, but I don't want to be doing 30 to 40 a year. That is too much. But I also like the reason I love the shows is because I meet people in person I mean, that's where I met you. That's where I met Marimba. Like, mm-hmm. it's no. There's, I mean, there's yeah, that I thing that happens at the shows too, because you know it's like, like it's such a finite time. Like it's you'll never replace the in person. You'll never replace that feeling of connection. And I'm so with that. And kind of want to like finish off, like bringing it full circle. Is like even if it's a change that you didn't want to make or a pivot that was forced on you, you're so right. And you get to now change that perspective and be like, okay, I get to choose the most important things in this moment. And maybe, yeah, it is not going back to 30, 40 shows, or maybe it's not going back teaching 30, 40 hours of in-person classes, which is exhausting, which a lot of us- That's energy, right? Like that's, that's your own energy. And are you able, I think- one of the questions you have to ask is how do I best show up Mm. for the people who need me? Mm -hmm. And that's everyone from your clients to people who see or hear, hear you speak to your family and your friends, you know, how do, how do you best show up? Yeah. There's always going to be obstacles and and this is just a universal one. We're all over the world experiencing this one, but to kind of bring it back to, you know, that aside, we will get all get through this and we are getting through it. And so many creative things are happening out of this. So many opportunities that maybe weren't there before, or maybe letting, you know, whatever. But so, you know, I think one of the biggest obstacles when starting a business or even just continuing on with, yeah, what is most important? Something for me that came up was like, wow, okay, I'm going to teach this many hours moving forward because it feels good to only teach that much right now in my life. But I was really nervous to pare down because finances are a big question mark when it comes to doing less, but wanting to make more. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I had to just put it out there and say, Hey, this is my hourly. And I'm only able to show up if I make this amount of money per hour. And I got the people I wanted and it was great. (laughs) And so, you know, for you, um, we're talking about physical items you know I'm talking about the valuing people's time and but it's a little bit different but so you know could you maybe share a little bit like how maybe finances have also been an obstacle or maybe not so much of an obstacle uh for you know starting your company um 
I, they're two obviously very different business models. Um, when you're running like a, a product-based business versus a service-based business, um, just completely different business models. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say if someone had the choice between the two, like <laughs> just doing a service base, um, it's a, it's a lot to manage. Um, it's a lot of thinking ahead. Um, and I really, really had to work carefully. And this is, I don't just say that from a finance standpoint, from, from my view, like I don't want a lot of waste. I don't want to have to put things on sale from a brand perspective. What I want. Yes. I'm going to pause you there. You don't have to sell everything just to get people to buy. And I know that's something that's big in service-based businesses, especially in teaching fitness is that we launch something, we're so proud of it or a class or we're doing, you know, we're offering a workshop and we really want people to show up and our fear comes in. It's like, well, okay, I don't have that many people now. I'm just going to 50% off or even before it's launched early or whatever, you know, without a strategy on how to make your bottom line. So I, yes, I I think think really looking at like your margins and your, your budget mm-hmm. is huge, whether it's a service or a product-based business. Um, knowing what your, like for me, like I look at it like a free shipping threshold mm-hmm. or um, how much can I spend on the cost of acquisition of a new customer on Facebook or mm-hmm. like for advertising, obviously Facebook is Instagram and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't know your numbers, and what you need, um, that's really dangerous. You need to know all this. Like you need to know all the details. You need to know how they work together. You need to know. Um, yeah, down to the gas you pay in your car to get to where your work is. Like how, yeah. you know, how much is your transportation? And, um, you know, and there is this like kind of myth that you need to have tons of money to start a business. And I always tell my coaching clients, like, start with what you have. You know, if you're starting yeah. to film videos and yes, we all want the fancy stuff right away. But the beautiful thing about online is that yeah. you can just like, it's only whatever's on your camera. Correct. It doesn't matter what's behind the camera. You can just move everything. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's like, it, there's lots of, uh, make it. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. And we can get into the like overcoming, like, that opposite, like being afraid that people are going to think that we're some kind of imposter because we moved our kitchen table to the side, which is so not true. It's like, start with what you have. And, you know, I do believe that you need to reinvest in yourself, but you're correct. And like, so such good advice of like knowing your numbers, that way you feel comfortable maybe investing in a camera or investing in hiring an assistant or, you know. I think that you really have to look at, sorry to interrupt. I think you really have to look at what equipment is imperative for you to start? Do you need the big fancy, um, this is dated, but do you need the big fancy office for a startup? No, the best startups arguably have started in garages. Right. You know, like y- you can keep your yourself on a budget very carefully and still do amazing work. Like present yourself 
in the way that you, you want to be seen, you know, and so much of that has to do with posture and, you know, how you, how you speak to the camera and how you identify with the people who are listening and working on your, your messaging and your, your skill set and becoming an expert in that, mm-hmm. I think is way more important than blowing the budget on a fancy space, you know, just get started. And it doesn't matter if four people show up, mm-hmm. those four people will be your biggest advocates. Mm-hmm. It, it could be four, it could be a hundred, you know? Yeah. And it goes it, back to what you were saying before of showing up and being, you know, and it, and being confident in what you, ha- what you have going for you. And also be real. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to, I mean, you know, keep it together, but <laughs> you know, you can be honest and transparent about what's going on. Like we try to be as transparent as, as possible. Like when people are like, Oh, can I have a discount? I'm like, mm, like, no. no. <laughs> and this is the reason why though, it's not just no. Yeah. And, and I think we can kind of say way back to what you were talking about with discounts. Like think about like, some of the biggest brands in the world, a lot of them don't do discounts mm-hmm. and it, it has to do for me, it has to do more with like margins and price point, but it also has to do with brand integrity. I'm not wanting you to replace your leggings every month. Um, if you want to buy new leggings every month, absolutely. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> They're available, but um, you know, like we're offering a quality product that doesn't, need a discount and because we work in such a like calculated production run like I I want to sell through mm-hmm. we're not trying to hit minimums to get discounts and stuff like that and like I think that that's one of the things that people think about the clothing industry like if you make more you get a discount and we don't do that like if I make this amount or if I make this amount times 10 I'm still paying her the same amount. And that's part of our fair wages commitment. And we discuss pricing like ahead of time. And sometimes we'll change our design based on that. Like we have a, the Quinn Cardi is coming out this um, fall and it's um, kind of a boxy, super, super comfy bamboo cotton cardigan with some pockets. And initially I wanted like a rounded pocket. And so I gave her our sample and like our fabric was like on the cut table, like ready to go. And the cutters like, and the sewers, like they're looking at it and they're like, this pocket is going to be so hard to do. She's calling me like, it's like 9 PM at night. She's like, Lexi, like, can we change this? And she's like, it's going to be so hard for us to sew it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. I'm like, does it make a difference to my life? If the pocket is rounded or square? No. But is it going to make your life a complete nightmare to do? Cool. Make it a square. Like it's fine you know, and cause it's also a difference in price point. Like if it takes them 10 times longer to make that pocket, my price goes up. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we'll design with a certain, um, what's the word? Like a price point in mind or like yeah, an ease. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think that with anything that you're putting out there, I think having that answer, like, well, why do you do a discount or not do a discount or why you make certain decisions? I, you know, I've answered these for people like, why, you know, why are you doing this? 
now? Or why do you charge what you charge? And it's like, well, you know, if I need childcare or I need to take this time off, it's actually not worth my time to take this hour if it's below this number, because, well, you know, I just spent it all trying to get someone else to help me, you know, that I don't really want the help for. So it, I think having set points, and I think if we want to like, you make this more of like a universal thing, like have, yeah, have your prices or have like certain goals or certain standards or guides in mind. So when you make certain decisions that, yeah, at, in the middle of the night, you go, or not middle of the night, 9 p.m. is the middle of the night for me. But, no. <laughs> but like, if you're getting late phone calls of like, you know, or if you have a teacher that's at your studio and they're like, I'm really, you know, I'm sick. I don't want to come in. Well, now, like, whatever, if anybody like sneezes, we're not calling. I think that's a great thing that's come out of this. We can take care of ourselves better because no one's expecting us to show up sick. Um, but like you get a phone call and it, like, is it worth someone driving in the snow? We can even say to teach a class or to cancel it. Like, I think we can all, ha- you know, stand firm in our decisions. If we know kind of our, um, externalities, like even though whatever I do this, this is what I can offer. Or even like I do this because dot, dot, dot. Totally. I agree. I think that you should have a standard for, for what you need for your life, but also, I mean, how much experience you have too. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just starting out, you're not going to be able to, to charge the same amount. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, okay, that's not really fair, but if you have more <laughs> experience, like, I mean, there's the baseline, sorry, we, we can edit that out. Um, no, that's fine. No, but I, I think that's an yeah. important thing to say. I, I, I think it's also training your customer or training your client. Say, yeah, say if I'm new and I'm like, hey, I'm teaching some free community classes. I want to get my feet wet. I want to get some practice in. Great. Now I'm going to start teaching a class once a week and it's going to be, you know, $10 a person because I'm just trying to like build a class. And then you grow these people with you. Okay, I'm moving into another space. So you're now having to rent a space maybe. And... Well, and, and arguably your teaching as you grow is going to improve and right. create like a linear pathway. So, yeah. and being able to like put a value on that and say, you know, hi, I've been teaching now for two years. I'm going to, these are my prices now. It, and then it becomes normal and not normal, but it becomes, uh, expected maybe? expected yeah exactly I was like, yeah like I've done classes with people who are just starting out and I've been like oh, okay and then I'll take their class a couple of years later and I'm like oh, okay like I get it now <laughs> like you're you've come a long ways you know and so um yeah I mean there's something to say when you're starting out and the only thing like it's different for a product-based business because I often see like artisans or young designers who are not pricing their goods properly. And I'm like, you're actually losing money on that. By the time you take in account all of the other things, like your rent, if you have staff, like all of, all of your hard costs. Right. So, um, and I think also just like looking at, at the market and seeing kind of like what your, your baseline pricing is. I mean, in yeah, active it, it, it's all over the place, right? You've got 
brands that are selling leggings for $25 and you've got brands that are selling things for $275. Yeah. And recognizing too, the differences in, in brands and even like in studio class prices, like, are you able to have 30 plus people in a class? Or are you only able to have 10? So like how, you know, making those price adjustments, right? It's like, are you doing it for all of the numbers? Are you selling leggings at $25 to get however many people? Or are they 250 and you're like, you know what? This is the clientele I want and it's more. I think for for me, the way I I base it has to do with hard costs. It has to do with like the price of the fabric. For us, it's the exchange rate because I'm buying it in USD, converting it to Canadian, which is like a 30%, well, 25 to 30% difference right now, plus our shipping. Right now we're seeing surcharges on top of shipping and it's like, how much can I absorb as a company and how much do I have to split amongst everybody to kind of just break that down? I mean, we ordered things from Italy and our cost had quadrupled for just the shipping. Wow. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, and so hopefully those go back down. But I mean, the reality is there's less flights right now. People are still doing business, all of that. So um, and we're, we're seeing that across the board, like whether it's from like our fabric shipping in from California, like everything's gone up because mm. the carriers are are doing these surcharges. And mm. um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> interesting. Well, well, and I think that kind of like brings us to, I'm going to like round this out. Um, I, I always say phrases, excuse me, like totally wrong. It's, that's not the phrase. I'm going to tie this all together. <laughs> I will always like mix like phrases together and then it's like, what is she talking about? But I mean, really kind of, uh, here, wrap, your best oh, here we go. <laughs> wrap it up. That's what I'm going to say. Wrap it up. <laughs> and into my last kind of question for you or like, what are some key business practices for you in order to stay focused and grounded in the vision and mission of your work? For me, a lot of it is staying organized. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if I let it get out of control, I can have a total tornado going around my head and I don't complete anything. So for me, a lot of it has to do with like having a notebook and making lists um, when it has to do with like content creation or production, like using a schedule and working backwards, like start with when you want it. Right. Like say our photo shoot is on the, the 18th. I would put my deadline on the 12th because if things are delayed, I still have some buffer room. And then from there working backwards um, for what has to be done in what order to get there. And then, so that's all your lists. Um, And also like a main thing, I mean, we've all seen it this year, especially, but keep learning and pivot Mm -hmm. as you need to, Mm -hmm. you know, if something's not working, just because you think that that was the way it was supposed to be doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it that way. If it's not serving you, if it's not efficient, change it. Mm-hmm. You know? And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a massive change all at once. It can be like, um, like implementing different steps to get there for sure. Like you, if it's um, something you've been offering your customers for years, you might want to do that in steps so that they're still on board, still on board and they still recognize the offering, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't lose people along the way, but you know, you've got these people around you that want to support you. And so I think listening to them is huge. Um, 
I think empathy is a, is a big thing. Yeah. Um, I think, and I, you know, you've touched a lot on on like growth and learning and it's just, in being able to pivot and staying flexible. I, I just. Flexible is major. Yes. And we can be flexible in your beautiful design and clothing and (laughs) and (laughs) so I want to thank you so much for you know all of your insight and also just tips on running a company and doing what you do it's been so I think interesting for me and I'm sure for the listeners as well and yeah I just want to thank you you know what I love about Dobbin Design so much is that you, you, and as the universal you of the company and you even as a person are so grounded in your values that it's a more, you're more attractive for me as a consumer to choose where I value my dollar and where I put it and to kind of be a part of the community that you've created through these fabrics and through these designs and you know, I, like many people were talking about, um, your signature Adrian leggings. Is that correct? Adriana. Adriana, excuse me. Um, those were the first ones that I bought and they were the first ones I fell in love with. And, you know, I can talk years on this and maybe before I let you go, the tie dye, the sustainability and just that individual pattern just spoke to me so much. And although it was subconscious in the very beginning, of my (laughs) journey down buying all of your things. Um, (laughs) Hearing you talk about, you know, reusing dyes and it's sustainable process. I'm like, wow, oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. And it makes sense. It makes sense hearing from you. And it just uh, makes me even more excited to continue seeing what Dobbin Design creates. Um, And I'm excited for the listeners to get to know your brand even more and to follow you. So could you just let everybody know before we sign off where they can uh, find you on social and find you on the internet? Of course. Yeah. Um, we are very active on Instagram. So you can find us at Daub and Design and the website itself is www.daubanddesign.com. So um, yeah, do join us and, and always reach out. Like if it's in our DMs or if you want to email us, like I am more than happy to answer questions. If you have um, fit questions or fabric, you want to just say hello, we met you here, who knows? Like just reach out. Um, we do have, um, it's mainly me who, who answers things still. I do have people on my team who help with other aspects, but that's super important to me to still have that connection with the customers. So um, it definitely fuels me. So yeah. And check us out. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to write into the podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at Bar Variations. You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com, where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.